Colossians 4 is a, just as an introduction to this morning's message. Our Lord Jesus said this before I read this verse in Colossians 4. Our Lord said this, Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his own life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Now most of us are familiar with the story of Lot's wife. Lot, that just man, his wife, and their two daughters, youngest daughters who were not married, were taken by the hand of the angels and delivered from Sodom by irresistible force. They were lingering. I can understand that, humanly speaking. Lot and his wife had two other daughters and sons-in-laws and probably some grandchildren in that city, but the angels took them by the hands and led them out of the city. And they said to them, the angels said to them, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. After he had delivered, after the angels had delivered those four people, God rained upon Sodom, Gomorrah, and three other cities there in the plains, fire and brimstone from heaven. But Lot's wife looked back behind him and became a pillar of salt. Now I ask you a question, did God pour out His wrath on a woman who was a vessel of wrath fitted to destruction? Or did He manifest His preserving grace on a woman who was a vessel of honor He had afore prepared unto glory? I am not wise enough to be dogmatic one way or another. But before you come down too hard on Lot's wife, give some thought to this. The angels of the Lord had taken Lot, his wife, and their two daughters by the hand and delivered them from Sodom. He couldn't do anything until they were safe. Lot's wife looked back. I don't know if she looked back with a desire to be back in that awful city or with a concern for her daughters and those who married her daughters and, like I said, maybe some grandchildren. But Lot's wife, like all of us, had that old, sinful, fallen nature to contend with. She had weaknesses in the flesh. Do you? We all do. All of us do. Why did our Lord turn Lot's wife into a pillar of salt? Why didn't he just rain fire and brimstone down on her? Why didn't he just destroy her or let her go back to that wicked city? It seems to me, if we'll give some thought to what salt represents, it could very well possibly be that God just stopped her in her tracks and preserved her from that sinful attempt to go back into Sodom. Well, with that in mind, let me remind us that all of God's enlightened children, all of His chosen blood-bought children 
are sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. God has preserved us. Look at the fourth, or the sixth verse rather, of Colossians 4. It says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Now turn to Isaiah 12, if you will. Isaiah chapter 12, the six verses of that chapter instructs God's enlightened children how to answer every man. This twelfth chapter is every believer's personal confession that God Himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is our salvation. Now we laid the foundation for our studies in this 12th chapter by looking at verse 6 first, which says, Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. This is how we ought to answer every man. Jesus Christ is our salvation. He is great in the midst of His church. All of His enlightened children give Him all the glory and all the praise. We attribute nothing to this great salvation, to the works of our hands. It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh does not profit anything. So this is our personal testimony that Jesus Christ, according to the eternal covenant of grace, the conditions that were set forth in that covenant, Him meeting all of those conditions, He has saved His people. He didn't make it possible for us to be saved. He saved us. He redeemed us with His own precious blood. Last week we looked at verse 1 of Isaiah 12 and we titled that message, In That Day. That day refers to the glorious day our Sovereign Lord raised us from a state of spiritual deadness when He performed the miracle of the new birth in us, enlightening our minds to who Christ is and what He has done for us. In that day, we learned that God's anger was turned away from us because of the perfect redeeming work of Jesus Christ our Savior. In that day, we were given faith to believe that Jesus Christ Himself is the head of all the members of His blood-bought church. In that day, God moved us to bow down to His exalted Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing Him as our Lord and as our Savior. In that day, we began to praise the true and living God. There was no praise in our hearts before that day. The old black stony heart is filled with enmity against God. We could not praise Him. We didn't know Him. But in that day, when our God enlightened our minds and by divine revelation, made us to know Jesus Christ and who He is and what He has done for us, we began to praise Him from the heart. And in that day, our great merciful God comforted us by revealing to us that we're citizens of that heavenly Jerusalem, inhabitants of Zion, and that absolutely nothing can separate us from God Himself. 
Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if we're in Christ, God loves us as much as He loves His darling Son. And we're, we're comforted with this. Not only did God comfort us in that day, I don't know about you, I think I do, but He has comforted me every day since with these Gospel truths. So let's take a look at verse 2. This is all... This, this is... We won't have any time for any other verse but verse 2. It, this is so full. Verse 2 of Isaiah 12 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Listen to these words from that great theologian Robert Hawker that he penned in his commentary from this second verse of Isaiah 12. He said, a gospel song actually called the whole chapter, not just this one verse. He said this 12th chapter of Isaiah is a gospel song of the triumphs of Christ and the church's triumphs in Him suited for all ages for the whole of Christ's body in one collective mass and for each individual. He went on to say, Reader, take a special notice of what the hymn expresseth, namely that the Lord God is the sinner's salvation. It is not enough to say or sing that the Lord hath brought us to salvation, but that He Himself is our salvation. Not that we have salvation from Him, but salvation in Him. He Himself is the whole of it. End of quote. Isn't that good? That is so wonderful. In the very first word of our text, we read this word. Behold. Behold signifies our heartfelt admiration and adoration of our great triune God who is our salvation. We love Him. We adore Him. We admire Him. Behold signifies that. Behold is the word that declares and affirms that God alone is my salvation. I have no hope anywhere else but in God who is my salvation. Behold that. Behold is a word to draw attention to our amazing God who is our salvation. His amazing grace in our salvation. His amazing love in our salvation. The Apostle John said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That's in 1 John 3. Well, he uses the same word, behold. It's a good word. We ought to stop and behold this. Our text says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. So brethren, listen. If God is our salvation, we have absolutely no reason to fear. I'm not saying that we won't have fear. Well, all of us do. We're human. I've heard people say that those graveyards are full of dead people and walking by that graveyard in the middle of the night, that won't hurt you. Those people are dead. It's the live people that you have to be afraid of. Well, I don't care. I still don't like walking by a cemetery in the middle of the night by myself. I, I used to walk home from school. We didn't have a school bus where I went to school. It was two miles uphill both ways. <laughs> And I had older siblings 
They like to run away and get away from me to try and scare me. And they did a good job of it. Walking through the woods, shortcut on the way home, if a little lizard rustled in the leaves, I jumped. So we have fear. That's natural. But we have nothing to... Really, fear is sinful if we stop and think about it. If God is my salvation, I have absolutely nothing to fear. The same apostle who wrote, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, also wrote these words in that same epistle of 1 John, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. That's the Word of God. Jesus Christ our Savior by Himself purged our sins from God's sight forever. He took care of our sin debt, paying that debt in full with His own precious blood by His substitutionary death. God's Holy Spirit working in us should move us to love righteousness and to hate sin. And we do. But sad to say, and I'm sure I speak for all of God's enlightened children, sin is what we are, and we still sin. But God help us not to be afraid of sin. All our iniquities were laid on the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. He has removed them from God's sight forever. God remembers them against us no more. Don't love the world. Our God tells us in His Word, love not the world, nor the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So don't love it, but don't be afraid of it. We're in this world. We're not of it, but we're in it. Just remember that we're only passing through as pilgrims and sojourners on our way to our heavenly home. Don't be afraid of the world. Recognize Satan as a powerful enemy. But don't be afraid of him. God has already taken care of him. He's like a dog on a leash. He can only go as far as our Lord Jesus will allow him to go. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But a roar of a lion never hurt anyone. And he can't devour us. We're safe in the arms of Jesus Christ our Savior. Death is a door that all of us must go through unless our Lord comes back before we go through that door marked death. But don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of death. Death has no power over God's children. The Lord took the sting out of death. And He tells us, He that believeth on Him shall never die. Do you all believe that? So don't be afraid of death. Judgment day is coming. But don't fear that day. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation, no judgment to them which are in Christ Jesus. And so, God Himself has given us the blessed assurance that all of our sins were laid on our Savior and He took God's wrath in our room and in our stead. God has already punished us in our substitute. He could not be a just God and punish again those for whom Christ died. 
if He has already punished us in our substitute. He, he cannot do that. He will not do that. We should never fear judgment day. We will stand before God dressed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ with God Himself saying to each one of His blood-bought children, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. If we believe these words from God to His blood-bought people, we should have no fear of coming judgment. For He, God the Father, hath made Him, God the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The songwriter put it this way, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned He stood, sealed my pardon with His blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Our text says, Behold, God is my salvation. Do we believe that? Then we should trust God and be not afraid. That's what our text is telling us. Trust Him. Be not afraid. Our Lord Jesus is on His throne during the raging storms as well as the calm. He is still able and He does that as it pleases Him to say, Peace, be still. Don't you know that His disciples who were with Him in that boat, when He stood up and spoke to the wind and to the seas and both obeyed His voice, don't you know they had a personal testimony as they were allowed to tell others about the power of their Master? We should have that same testimony. I know it's not easy to go through a raging storm, but don't lose sight of this. He's still on His throne. Even when we're on the mountaintop of success or in the valley of despondency, even when things are going smooth or things are going rough, He's still on His throne and He's still working all things after the counsel of His own will and in His own appointed time as He allows us to go through these appointed trials and testings, He will say, peace be still. And we'll give Him all the praise and all the glory, not only for those smooth highways, but for those rough, bumpy roads as well. Our Lord Jesus has told us time and time again to put our trust in Him. What a testimony we have the honor of bringing before others. Our Master, when He speaks, must be obeyed. You all believe that? Obedience must follow. Where a... How does the Scripture go? There's Where the King is, there's power. I think that's the way it goes. Well, our Lord Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Word of a King is powerful. How much more the Word of our exalted King. He has the power to do whatever He is pleased to do and He will accomplish His purpose. God help us to recognize our need of His strength. Our text says, Jesus Christ is my strength and my song. Without Him I can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God help us never to forget that. That in our flesh we are nothing but weak vessels. Our Lord Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He is every believer's strength. We need the strength of our Lord Jesus when we're young as well as when we're old. We need His strength when we're resting behind the doors of our own home as well as when we are laboring 
out in the world for the glory of the one who loved us and gave himself for us. We need his strength at all times, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Don't rely on the arm of the flesh. It will fail you every time. Lean back into the strong, everlasting arms of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Trust Him. He's our strength. He's our song. We make a serious, painful mistake when we think we can do anything without the strength of our Lord Jesus. Anything. Anything. Our Lord is not only our strength, He's also our song. That's what our text says. We don't just sing from our lips. When we do that, God help us to express ourselves in song from these mouths that He has given to us. But He is our song. We sing to Him from the heart. Our songs of deliverance, of courage, of strength is to Him. God help us to sing not just about Him. We do that. But sing to Him. Not just that He is our God, but sing to our God. Not that He is just our great Creator, and I don't even want to use just, that's, that's a wrong word. Not that He is our Creator. We don't sing about that. Well, we sing to our Creator, the One who loved us and gave Himself for us. The songwriter said, and we just sung this a moment ago, I will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross He suffered from the curse to set me free. I will tell the wondrous story how my lost estate to save. In His boundless love and mercy He the ransom freely gave. I will praise my dear Redeemer. And His triumphant power I'll tell how the victory He giveth over sin and death and hell. I will sing of my Redeemer and His heavenly love to me. He from death to life hath brought me, Son of God, with Him to be. Lift up your voices to Him in song, but sing from the heart to Him because of who He is and because of what He has done. The last part of Isaiah 12.2 says, He also has become my salvation. God Himself has become my salvation. What does that mean? Well, it means, as John Gill stated, salvation is wrought out by Christ. And believers have it in Him and they know it and believe it and so are already saved in Him. Pastor Henry Mahan put it this way, in the light of our weakness, failure, and flesh, how can we have such confidence and assurance of our security and acceptance before God? Because He is our salvation. He is our strength. He is our song. God set Him forth to be a mercy seat. God laid on Him our iniquities. God made us accepted in the Beloved. How shall He not with Him freely give us all things accomplished by our Redeemer God? It would be nothing short of blasphemy to reckon that God would renege on His promises to Christ and His church. So God has become my salvation. In other words, He's worked it all out for me. I just rest in Him. Let me take you back to the book of Leviticus. If you'll just turn back to Leviticus chapter 3, just for a moment. I'm sorry, chapter 13. Leviticus chapter 13. And let me repeat something I said earlier in our introduction to this message. Why did our Lord... Why did our Lord turn 
Lot's wife into a pillar of salt. Why didn't he just rain fire and brimstone down on her? Well, I've got the wrong chapter. I said 3, then I said 13, and I'm looking at my notes and it says chapter 2. Leviticus chapter 2. If we believe God, we'll believe His Word. And God tells us that He's a covenant God and that we're His covenant people. Before the world began, our God purposed our salvation. We read that in 2 Timothy 1.9. We also read in Isaiah 43.13 that God Himself says, I will work and who shall hinder it? I will accomplish all that I have purposed, God tells us in Isaiah 46.9-13. And so we're, we're members of the body of Christ, but we're, we're His covenant people. Those who were given to Christ in the eternal covenant of grace before this world began. The Lord Jesus Christ in the fullness of time was sent by God to be made of a woman, made under the law to redeem us, His chosen people, from the curse of the law. That was according to the eternal covenant of grace. Now there are some, and you'll read it in Don Fortner's article in today's bulletin, there are some who do not believe that the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ as He walked on this earth from the mother's womb, the womb of the Virgin Mary, to the time He said it is finished. There are some who do not believe His perfect obedience to the will of God had anything to do with our salvation. That is terrible. We need a righteousness that we cannot produce. And Jesus Christ in His perfect obedience to God's law, God's will, is our righteousness that He gives to us. We're in Christ. We were in Christ all the way from His mother's womb all the way to the grave. Everything about Christ belongs to His blood-bought children. When our Lord was obedient to God the Father, we were obedient to God the Father in our substitute. So that's all according to the eternal covenant of grace. Our Lord Jesus met all the conditions of that covenant. The blessed Holy Spirit of God quickens us, gives us life. He is giving life only to those who are given to Jesus Christ by God the Father in that eternal covenant of grace. And when He comes to us, when the Holy Spirit comes to us, He finds nothing but enmity in us. Enmity against God. He sees no good in us. There's nothing in us to move Him to give any one of us eternal life. But He does. He quickens us. He gives us life. He raises us from that state of spiritual deadness according to the eternal covenant of grace which was established between the great three and one before this world was ever created. So we're His covenant people. We should never lose sight of these wonderful God-honoring truths. Jesus Christ is our Savior, yes. But God the Father is our Savior as well. God the Holy Spirit is our Savior as well. Jesus Christ is the fullness of the Godhead. He, in Him dwells the Father. In Him dwells the Son. We bow down to Jesus Christ. When we bow down to Him, we bow down to the great three in one. 
But all of this, all of what we have in our relationship with God is according to the eternal covenant of grace. And back to Lot's wife being preserved by salt. Listen to this, if you will. Verse 13 of Leviticus 2. And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering with all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. Salt is a preservative. And salt not only points to the fact that God has preserved us, it points to that offering. The offering of Jesus Christ. Every offering under the old Mosaic economy pointed to the one offering for sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. And those offerings had to be offered with salt. Every child of God comes out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ because of God's eternal covenant. God has preserved us in Christ Jesus. Salt signifies that preservation that's ours. And in this 13th verse, it even refers to salt accompanying the covenant. So let your speech be seasoned with salt so you should know how to answer every man. And here's how we answer every man. God has become my salvation. Everything that I have in this relationship with God is because God has become my salvation. He has ordered all things steadfast and sure. Nothing happens apart from God's permissive will. And our coming out of darkness into His marvelous light was according to His own purpose which was decreed before this world began for the glory of His darling Son, Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. So don't lose sight of this. I once again say, I don't know. I'm not wise enough to know if Lot's wife was a vessel of wrath fitted to destruction or a vessel of mercy which God afore prepared unto glory and He preserved uh, her showing us that even though she looked back she had been delivered. Give some thought to that and along with that thought think about this. We sin every day. But we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's our heavenly lawyer. He's pleading for all of His elect at this very moment. And He doesn't have to say a word. The nail prints are in His hands and His feet. The wound from the sword in His side is still visible. He redeemed us in His own body. In His own body, He took the wrath of God because He was made to be sin for us. Now, because God has accepted that offering, we've been made accepted in Christ. And it's all because of the covenant of God's grace. So let our hearts be seasoned with this salt. We're covenant people that serve a covenant God who've been brought out of darkness into His marvelous light because of that covenant. God is my salvation.
He's my strength. He's my song. I will trust Him and be not afraid. God has become my salvation. Amen.